0: Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible, make a playlist, and sometimes review animated movies. I'm Matt Hale, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California.
1: And I'm Zach Pierce. I am the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado in Boulder.
0: And uh, here we are, Zach, fifth Sunday after of the epiphany.
1: Some say the fifth is the best. Some say that. Some, I mean, surely someone said it. Uh, I do like these texts, but before we get into that, Matt, it's not time for the text yet. I wanted to report back I did not watch an animated movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. My media consumption has gone down dramatically in the midst of my displacement, which continues, though there appears to be some light on the horizon. Um,
0: Is this going to be an episode of media consumption lately?
1: Media consumption lately, I think it is. I... uh, In the HBO Max application on my... Account, I not long ago added a bunch of things that I wanted to see. I haven't been able to. Yeah. So like I haven't seen because there's a lot of good stuff on there right now. Uh, you know, I've told you um, eventually we'll, we'll get to talking about the Righteous gemstones. I'm caught up on that. But beyond that, Matt, uh, today I watched the Woodstock 99 documentary.
0: <laughs> Great. I about do you that.
1: do you remember Woodstock 99, Matt?
0: I mean, I was a senior in high school. Like
1: what was the summer of 99? Summer of 99. August 99.
0: Yeah, I was like between high school and college. Like, I remember it vaguely. Do I remember being there? No, I did not. I did not go. Did I remember like it That's was good, a disaster, it turns right? out? Right? Like, wasn't it bad? It wasn't like a good.
1: I remember Woodstock like 99 very vividly because really? my family was on a trip to the beach. <laughs> and that was a big deal. And my parents, I know, got frustrated at this, <sighs> but like, we didn't have cable or anything. So, anytime we were on vacation with a TV that had cable, I needed to watch like M T V twenty four seven. Yeah. Yep. And that overlapped with while the Woodstock like ninety nine was going on. So I watched like Kurt Loder like doing his war correspondence from uh from the fields of Rome, New York, uh during the midst of Woodstock like ninety nine. And uh, I remember like it being crazy and stuff, but it was a real bad idea. And like it, it just blew my mind. The doc is worth watching. It's two hours. I don't know if it needs to be quite that long, but like it, everything was bad, man. Fun fact, three days, right? Uh, in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's like responsible for Coachella uh, because like Coachella was the anti, Coachella started in 2000, right? Uh, and one of the big things at Coachella, at least initially, was they gave you a water bottle when you came in
0: oh.
1: and water was $4 at Woodstock 99 um, and it was incredibly hot and stuff. Uh, oh, so many levels this was a bad idea uh, Woodstock 94 by account by the, according to the documentary pretty chill pretty relaxed uh, pretty enjoyable for most people Woodstock 99 wow Matt here's some facts for you okay three days of lineups right multiple stages could you tell me how many female acts played Woodstock 99 Uh, two It was three It was three out of how many? (laughs) You know, like a full Coachella style Lineup Out of 30, at least, right? Uh, And they Every day had one woman act You know, you had your your (laughs) uh, Crowds And so the The crowds that attracted were not Chill Right? Like there was not a lot of chill In the crowd So your three female performers were, of course, Alanis Morissette, uh, oh, Cheryl Crow, Crow and, and Jewel, whose uh, yeah, whose acts
0: were in, late nineties.
1: Yeah, acts not super well received. There were the crowd was very grumbly as they oh. sang uh, Saturday night. I'd forgotten exactly. I'd forgot the timeline of when things went incredibly wrong at uh, at Woodstock '99, and so like. I couldn't even remember if it finished, right? Like it was so. The images I remembered were so bad, right? And I assumed at one point that it was going to like not make it to Sunday, because Matt Saturday night closed with Led Biscuit Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, like, <laughs> yeah. In this great, like, and that that was the end of the day too. In that, like, there were such like catastrophic failures of. Of of sanitary conditions, the lack of water, like the heat—it was incredibly hot. You know, it's middle of August, and um, that it survived those three acts with with what was almost exclusively, it appears, uh, uh, all t- angry twenty-four-year-old white guys in cargo shorts—is remarkable. Um, yeah, just mind blowing.
0: Yeah, wow. Wow. Yeah. My favorite well,
1: favorite quote. So one of the organizers was there who certainly will not appreciate how he came off in the documentary because he's clearly the, the bad guy, right? Um, and says a lot of really terrible things that it doesn't appear that he's aware how terrible the things he's saying are. But I did enjoy – so Fred Durst, who is from Gastonia, North Carolina, uh, gateway to Gastonia, uh, not Charlotte, but the actual Gastonia itself – Lead singer for Limp Bizkit uh, didn't do a lot to chill out the crowd because um, they're tearing apart the towers, like the ply—they're taking the plywood, like they're ripping the plywood off of like the the fences around, like the tower, like the light and PA towers and stuff. And people are like riding them across the crowd and stuff, uh, and so like the organizers are like, "Hey, Fred!" Like they come out on stage multiple times. You're like. Can you like help us like chill this out? Um, and Fred does not acquiesce to those demands. Uh, and you know, one of the songs, I don't. I'm sorry, listeners. I did not do enough research. I'm not well versed in the uh, full discography of Limp Biscuit. Uh, one of the songs prominently features uh, "Break Stuff," and so he ends up in the middle of the crowd on plywood, you know, screaming, imploring everyone to break stuff. And then he comes off stage and he gets interviewed on MTV News and he's like, It's not our fault, guys. <laughs> and then you cut to the bad guy promoter who's like, Fred Durst was a moron. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God.
0: Incredible. Incredible. So, uh, yeah. So, community leadership lessons. <laughs>
1: Um, They're important lessons to learn. For that's good. that's good. Sure,
0: and amazing uh, that that uh, leads to the Coachella experience that we have today. In, in some ways, I mean, I remember the first time that I went, being so impressed uh, at the infrastructure of Coachella. Mm-hmm. Just the, just the infrastructure uh, is pretty great, and apparently, yeah, influenced by the design reason that was. <laughs>
1: with a part of what they did in the doc too. That's that's. Is that is to say that like our nostalgia for the original Woodstock is influenced almost exclusively by the documentary Woodstock and not uh, by the reality of what happened at like people died at Woodstock, like the original Woodstock. The, the government airlifted supplies in like it wasn't nearly as chill and yeah. wonderful as we remember oh, yeah. it being. Yeah. So
0: well this has been another episode of media consumption.
1: Lately, lately, good, app. good. What an app! Gosh, I learned so much about Limb Biscuit. They had the lead singer Corn on. He was pretty insightful. Cool. He was pretty good. Field's own. Field's uh, own. That's great. That's
0: great. I did watch a uh, couple of, uh, last year, maybe two years ago. All the Firefest Fest documentaries. Those were fun too. Those were pretty
1: fun. Yeah, yeah. If you like to watch. So what? Shows, what brought? What brought Woodstock '99? I hate to to do another ep to its to its uh conclusion was were fires right um and that's because there was a nonprofit there who like was going to do like a vigil on sunday night for the victims of columbine which was only like a couple months earlier oh wow uh and so they passed out candles and stuff to have like a candle light vigil thing and that did not go well with oh my gosh the cargo shorts
0: wow wow takes you back to
1: 1999. Lead singer of Creed, also prominently featured in the doc, Scott. Uh, Scott okay. Stapp. Scott Stapp was there. He was pretty good because um, he was like <laughs> the <laughs> – it's good. You guys to check out a lot of Wesley Morris, you know, who I don't get to hear nearly enough uh, of. Oh,
0: he's so good.
1: Yeah, he's so good, you know, because Bill Simmons produced the doc. And, um, okay. So it's got that like 30 for 30 kind of vibe to it, but it is, it's two hours. It's pretty good, pretty lengthy. Uh, But but Creed brings out uh, Dude from the Doors. And you're like, yeah, like they had a guy who was there, like who was involved in the riots and stuff. He's like, I was 19. Like, I have no idea who the Doors were. Like, I barely knew who Creed was. And so they're doing. Uh, Wyclef sets his guitar on fire, and nobody cares. Like th- nobody seems to get. Like he's doing the Jimi Hendrix thing, and like <laughs> I forget. Somebody does like the F.U.C.K. chant, like from like Country Joe and the Fish, and nobody's into it. And like, wow, but Wyclef too, though. Yeah, Wyclef was there. Dmx. <laughs> Wesley talks about the Dmx. Sh- Uh, performance, which is wild. (laughs) Matt, wild. Right? Like, I'm pretty agnostic on DMX. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, clearly he's very talented. Um, Never hit me in my like developmental spaces and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of his songs, you know, one of his songs, many of his songs, but one song in particular that was very popular involved uh, uh, talking about my uh, in-words, right? And he does for his Coachella performance does call and response where that's the response. <laughs> and so Wesley is like, there are 300,000 white dudes in cargo shorts yelling repeatedly. <laughs> my inwards, right? Like, and he's oh like, gosh. this is insane. This yeah. happens. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Well, thank you for giving our listeners the report on this documentary I we look well. forward
1: to seeing you all at Coachella oh, where we're going to reenact some of this hopefully they bring out a Limp Biscuit.
0: Coachella much, much more chill
1: The Offspring
0: we'll do our full uh, Coachella rundown I oh, can't wait I'm still not prepared I'm not <laughs> prepared there. yet either I'll get
1: there though I did hear Brockhampton uh, is breaking up this will be their final performance at Coachella I want, don't want to see it super either. into Brockhampton yeah. oh okay good to know we'll bring we'll bring Marion on and learn more about Hampton later in the uh he write or they write for uh for the student newspaper as a they have written for the student newspaper as a music journalist we've we've been working on getting getting Marion on the podcast so good things go. to look forward to uh this episode Matt as we transition is brought to you by the monthly vinyl preacher uh happy hour uh, which for February Matt it's going to be during the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to put the link out there. Check it out on the Patreon. You're probably going to get this episode. You got a week. We got a week. This is not dropping on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to Zoom uh, and have Zoom happy hour during Super Bowl halftime so we can critique the musical performance <laughs> and experience it together. We're, I don't even know, gonna try, Matt. We're going to try it. <laughs> I'm going to be in go. Minneapolis, actually, uh, at that time.
0: Uh, X going so to give to you? Some, maybe I'll find some Wi-Fi. And uh, we'll going we'll to make it work. But i got to work out some logistics. Crazily enough, like, uh, yeah, Super Bowl is going to be in L.A. Uh, 10 minutes from where I live in either direction. Uh, and um, um, I'm not even going to be there. I know. It's crazy. I did think about changing my flight to see if I could, like, land on Sunday afternoon. Like, just to, just to see the... Uh, the bird's eye view but
1: yeah yeah who's doing the halftime show man oh my gosh
0: all the southern california greats from dr dre to snoop Dogg Oof. to mary j blige kendrick lamar uh and eminem flying in from detroit uh, so yeah all your, your la artists it's pretty great. Uh, the the trailer is is pretty incredible. Um, LAist did a, a breakdown of it where they wanted to try to, they were trying to figure out where in the world Dr. Dre is because they show him walking down this beach, and then it's just like the beach and then the skyline. Like right there's like this kind of blurry yeah. area and then the skyline. And they're like, did he erase like all of? It? It's a pretty far distance actually between the skyline and and the beach. Uh, can't quite figure out where in Los Angeles he is. Uh, so lots of fun stuff there. I did also enjoy that like Eminem is like coming off a plane because he's coming here from Detroit. Like they got him walking away from a private jet to the concert, uh, which is
1: pretty awesome. I, I did learn today, Matt, unrelated to the doc, um, but keeping it '90s. I didn't know that the prevailing thought was that California Love was originally a Dr. Dre track. Did you know this? No. Yeah, evidently the thinking is that it was a Dre song because if you if you you know go back to your listener listen to California Love, uh, Tupac isn't even on until the second verse. Like you got to go literally two <laughs> minutes into the song before you hear Tupac, uh, and Dre was just about to leave Death Row, uh, and that's the only track on the album that Dre produces. Uh, you know, and it features it doesn't actually feature Tupac that much, and so the thinking the legend is that, that should night, um, uh, said, demanded that this had to be on the Tupac album.
0: <laughs> wow. I mean, it's incredible. It's a, it's a, it's a classic. It's got that Mad Max video. Uh, and just,
1: it was the coolest thing ever when Drake came out to do it. I could in 20, <laughs> it was, it
0: was super cool. It was super cool. I mean, and I also just, yeah. Uh, now that I live here in South South Central Los Angeles, uh, just I mean to have this like uh, incredible Adam Bomb of a song coming up out of uh, out of these streets, as they say that, <laughs> uh, just a pretty just a pretty great thing, you know. I mean, think it's about I would love to break down like the history of like California music, right? Because there is like you know you got your Beach Boys, you've got your um, Laurel Canyon, right? There's a certain like California sound, and this mm-hmm. is like. I mean, I'm sure that it's. I'm sure if like a like a music historian could break down like how it all develops, but it feels like that is where that is where like there's a new California sound that breaks through that features California in the title, like really explicitly. It's just kind of like yeah, it's a kind of a watershed moment, I think.
1: Agreed. Yeah. There you go. Well, Matt. Now that we've discussed all of that important information, breaking news from the late 90s, uh, mid to late 90s. Uh, I think it's time for the text.
0: Time for the text. Isaiah 6, 1-8. A reading from Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And, he, and I said, Here am I, send me. I'm going to stop there. You can keep reading, but it's like twice as long. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop, Zach. Word of the Lord.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's how the liturgical like ending to reading should be. I'm going to stop.
0: <laughs> I'm going to stop that's
1: it that's the new church calling thanks be to God oh preacher when they say that it's not good um Matt what a classic call story 8th century prophets here we're in the 8th century BCE which is pretty cool co 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 uh it's some of the only Hebrew I still remember from that 8th uh, century prophecy class I took with Peter uh, Adams um here's the thing Matt here's the thing Uh, If you keep reading this text, it gets wild for me. Um, I'm going to read on a little bit, Matt. Uh, Keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of this people dull and stop their ears and shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears. Uh, Essentially, you know, make them not be able to understand what I'm doing. And then Isaiah says in response, how long O Lord... And God says, until cities lie in waste without inhabitant or houses without people and the land is utterly desolate, even if a tenth part remain, it will be burned again. Uh, Matt, I, in my particular context here, uh, preaching that is not going to work very good, uh, the promise of God of burned cities, because we have lived through that. Uh, So... That's there, and that is terrifying. Uh, fortunately, though, it's bracketed, so I guess we don't have to really worry about it too much. If we're going to look at the text, it is unbracketed. It is the call story of Isaiah. And one of the things that I've harped on a number of times here on the podcast and in real life, working with students, is that in our work, in particular, through our, we have kind of a Uh, Focused discernment project that we call El Camino. And through that work that we've been doing for since 2014, one of the big learnings that I have had uh, is starting with like a biblical theology is the important role that the elements in nature and close connection and relationship with that um, have in discernment in particular. And that's really going to be my theme for all the texts this week, because uh, really it's, it's, it's. I think it's three call stories, uh, two very explicit call stories in the Old Testament and the Gospel. And here, the essential element in the call story is Isaiah's close relationship with the flames, that it is through the flames that the call of God is heard most clearly through the embers, through those coal hot coals that touch his lips in my office, uh, my new office that I just decorated and hung stuff. I got to rehang my 826 LA time travel Mark poster, uh, from the, uh, Neolithic emerging technologies board. Uh, and it says fire, good, but also bad. And so here, uh, we get fire, good, but also bad fire good in that it is the thing that clears the way for Isaiah's lips to move and God to work in it. Who knows? Perhaps without the, the clack holes, literally touching his lips. Um, we hear, no, here I am, Lord. Um, maybe those words aren't spoken, that they're, you know, within the text is a historically a purifying function that fire plays. But then we also hear the promise of the destruction that fire brings as Isaiah down in the brackets or God, Yahweh down in the brackets, uh, promises that cities will uh, burn. Uh, so I think that's promising and can be turned into good news because, we have fire. We have the elements. They are here. They are near to us. They're not things we have to climb mountains to get to. Uh, it's the stuff that we have. It is the stuff of us. If you're looking for other biblical examples, of course, look to the burning bush. Obviously, God speaks literally through a burning bush. If you're looking for more God speaking through through the elements and through the flames in particular, look to Shadrach, Meshach, and that other guy uh, who, uh, when they're standing amidst the flames, that's when Nebuchadnezzar and pals... Uh, Understand and see the will, wheel, wheel. There's my accent. Will of God most clearly.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zach.
1: You got it. You got it. Any any earthquake parts here? The earthquake. There's a lot of going on here. There is. There's a lot going on. But I think
0: I think you've I think you've got it. I mean, we could talk this text for a long time because uh, there is. There's just so much here. There's so much here,
1: but. There is. And Matt, we have a new problem here on the podcast, and that is that our good friend Adam, the Reverend Adam Burnt, who started listening, and because he listens now, we get feedback. And because of that, Matt, I'm going to hit on the New Testament reading, the, the Pauline letter, real quick, just for Adam, because he complained yeah. about it, um, instead of just acquiescing to our demand that preachers do not preach on the Paul. Uh, it's pretty short here and not a good story, but here's the part that uh, – um, that I think is important and ties helps tie the text together, right? Uh, It talks about Jesus dying, right? And being buried like a seed. And then, um, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. Uh, And I think that's like the root of vocation and discernment uh, that, that Jesus' vocational identity is rooted very literally in the reality. You can't you know, Lutherans should take up arms if we deny this reality that the the, the essence of who Jesus is is found uh, in burying him in the dirt when he returns fully uh, to the dirt from which we are miraculously called up and to which we shall return. And that that is the the vocational foundation, I think, for any healthy and holistic understanding of vocation. As our good friend St. Augustine says, uh, our bodies are the earth we carry for just a while.
0: man, you're bringing sacred
1: fire today, Zach. Sacred fire, and I've got sources. That's from Confessions Chapter 2. Good job. Did Good a lot of job.
0: Crap. Oh, my gosh. Apparently. Oh
1: my but we God. keep calling, Matt. We keep calling with these stories. Jesus, uh, we're here in Luke 5, 1 to 11. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake against the the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. And he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. And the fishermen had gone out and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he put out a little way from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught the crowds from the boat. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, "'Put out the boat into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch.'" And Simon answered, "'Master, we worked all night long but caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let the nets down.'" And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw he fell down at Jesus' knees, "'Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man.'" For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch. And so also were, you know, uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they left, when they brought their boats to shore, they left him. They left everything and followed him. Matt, what more do you want? A call story literally on the waters, one of the elements and the promise, the part that I would hammer on here in my sermon this week is that uh, invitation for Jesus to let your nets down into the deep water, that if you want to truly discern who God has made you to be and to figure out how to be that person in the world you got to invest in the place where you are whether that's the soil, the water, the flames to dig down into the places where you are you don't have to go do your Enneagrams you don't have to go out and find your, your Myers-Briggs's or your strength finders, your inventories uh, to try to find some uh, ephemeral sense of purpose and knowledge. Dig down in the place where you are, wherever you are and that is the promise. That is the place where God, um, where you will find uh, the person that God has most clearly made you to be. Matt, you're still muted.
0: <clears throat> well... Just, just like you tried to mute the enneagram, just incredible stuff. Zach, get into good news while taking shots at the enneagram and the Myers it's The best strength, strength I have strength finder since they gave that to me too. Uh, all this stuff, but I think uh, as no well, helpful, as those, but it has to be much, built on the foundation. As, as much as they can be helpful tools, I see what you're getting at. You got yeah. to get into the deep water, however you do that. You got to dig it. down. Deep. Deep. You go down. It's you don't good. go up.
1: There's it's your Lutheran Kelly Fryer directional stuff. Good
0: stuff. Yeah, this is also just a text that, um, yeah, just lots of stuff to work with. Sometimes you don't get that in a text. You go, what in the world am I supposed to do with this?
1: This is another good one. It's a good week, y'all. Lots to work with. Strangely, Jesus does not call the disciples here by saying, hey, let's do it all for the nookie.
0: (laughs) No, he does not. (laughs) Strange. Well, uh, speaking of Lip Biscuit, what are we listening to?
1: Matt, I decided to go three artists who did not play the original Woodstock or Woodstock 99, uh, who firmly had their, their, mo- the, the most success in their reasonable careers in a decade, which featured zero Woodstocks, the 19 and 80s, Matt, because uh, I'm going elemental songs. And we're going to start with a great one, by cheap trick called The Flame, uh, which is a great call-like song, uh, wherever, you, wherever you go. I'll be with you uh, Whatever you want I'll give it to you Whenever you need someone To lay your heart and head upon It's a pretty good call story song Like call song Like it, you If you're into 80 rock ballads If you like that part of uh, Frozen 2 You're gonna love this song And you should make it Your life's anthem uh, Then Matt of course We're gonna go with A nitty gritty dirt band Not just cause they're nitty gritty And the dirt Which I love for the soil imagery But we're gonna go uh, Fishing in the night which is what these uh, disciples do. Did we? Did we do prices right? What like, do? oh man, this is where Bob Barker walks out, gives us both a crisp hundred dollar bill for hitting a hundo right in the head. <laughs> Because uh, that's what the disciples are doing, because it was shameful to be a disciple. That's the thing, right? Uh because yeah. you needed well it's not because it was shameful. That's one of the things that made discipling or fishing shameful. They needed to fish at night because they didn't have refrigeration and they needed to get those fish to people as soon as they could in the day. So you didn't want like hot fish laying around because they knew that was bad. And finally, Matt, we're gonna go Steely Dan's dirty work. Uh which is what the the work of God is, right? Work of getting down in the Dirt. The song's kind of like anti-dirty work, but it's good enough. <laughs> Fun fact,
0: I saw Steely Dan at Coachella. No way. <laughs> I, I did. He played the first Coachella. And uh, a friend of the pod, Kevin, uh, Sunrise and Mom, is really excited to see Steely Dan.
1: Oh my gosh. I,
0: get, I know, it's crazy. Uh, what am I listening to this week? Well, in addition to uh, "Fishing in the Dark by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band... Uh, which, like you said, it's a great song. Uh, I'll also throw out uh, Swim in Pools by Kendrick Lamar as you prepare, continue to prepare for that Super Bowl halftime show. Better better do some some Kendrick. Kendrick, Swim in Pools. uh, Thinking about those deep waters. And then, uh, oh, my gosh, one of my favorite artists ever, John Mellencamp, put out a new album last week. Uh, he had an interview with NPR where he sounded incredibly bitter uh, about the world. And I loved every minute of it. It was so great. Uh, and so it's a good album. It's good stuff. Uh, as as Mellencamp always is, he's got – he's like he's like Springsteen in the sense that like he's got these like 80s hits. And so you think you know him and then you dive into these albums and like he's he's really pretty great. So he's got a new album out. And uh, I'm going to put the song Streets of Galilee.
1: Uh, Ooh. On I like it, Matt. What yeah, We didn't even we talked about the music. We didn't even get to the hot new story this week, uh, which we will do some research on. Get to you next week. Neil Young versus Spotify uh, is getting me excited uh, yeah. to see what all happens with that. But uh, maybe yeah. next week we'll talk about it.
0: Ah, oh, well, it's been real,
1: real vinyl.